The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick. You're listening to Matt Slick Live. And if you want to give me a call on this beautiful November 1st, 2023, then all you got to do is just dial 877-207-2276. If you want to, you can email me instead, info at karm.org, info at karm.org. Just put in the subject line, radio question or radio comment, and we'll get to them. All right, we got callers coming in, and I got a little bit of an announcement. Um, some of you may know who Luke Wayne is. He used to work with us at CARM, and he moved on to bigger and better things. He's a great guy, which we could have kept him, but it's just finances, and he's got a growing family. And um, I'm going to tell you about him a little bit. I got a call from him last night, we got talking. He married a, a woman who's blind, and uh, she's great. Um, and then they adopted two. Uh, blind kids from a third world country or like you know I don't know Yugoslavia one of those countries over there Romania I don't know and um, then they've had their own kids and um, so I want you to pray for uh, the little girl one-year-old she's got a condition that they're going to require brain surgery she's having uh, seizures and there's pressure building up in the brain they're going to put a stent in and um, and poor Luke, you know, he's got so much on his plate, and he is just trying to to maintain, doing a good job of it for the most part. But uh, uh, yeah, it's hard to go through it. And um, so, if you would lift him up in prayer, lift his little girl up in prayer, Luke's daughter. And uh, so the word was they wouldn't get any consult or emergency, whatever it is. I don't know the details until November 16th and uh, that I just got a text from him a little bit ago that's been moved up to this Friday so things are going better she does need surgery she may need surgery for the rest of her life periodically to relieve issues and that's what's going on and um, so it's going to the body of Christ and asking the body of Christ that you would uh, you know just pray for him my wife and I prayed for him and been on my heart a lot and uh, He's a good man, good man of God. So I just lifted him up and asked that you guys would uh, pray for him and his little girl. And, you know, it's just uh, for all of us who have had issues with children, but infants, babies, some of us have lost children, some of us have had to watch them suffer. Uh, you know, my sympathies to all of that. We don't know why God allows it, but it does happen. And um, it's, it's basically, it's just hell. Uh, but if you would be so kind, lift him up in prayer. I appreciate that. I'll let him know that uh, announced it on the radio and that we can all pray. All right. Having said that, let's get to Carrie from Boise, Idaho. Mm -hmm. Carrie, welcome. You are on the air. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Hanging in there. So what do you got? Good. I have a question. I know of a church on... Well, it's Facebook, I guess. Somebody started an online church, and there's no 
elders or deacons or anything like that. It's just kind of a individual that wanted to start his own church. And I just want to know, is it legitimate? Uh, now, you know, it's hard to say yes and no automatically. Generally speaking, no. Okay. However, what do you do under different circumstances? Let's say that uh, there are a bunch of shut-ins and they can't physically get to church and someone has a service online and let's just say that in this service it's uh, a legitimate church with a building with uh, elders etc and they just put their stuff online and the person goes online and attends that way is that legitimate yes what if in the situation you're talking about there is no actual building no actually no actual elders um, just somebody who's doing this now is that a true church <sighs> uh, generally speaking a church is comprised of uh, people uh, elders and there's the preaching and teaching of the word there's the administration of baptism and communion and so the difficulty becomes administering baptism and communion online you can't baptize someone online and on communion, uh, what you could do is, theoretically, is uh, tell people in advance, a week in advance, to get uh, some bread and some wine or, or grape juice, whatever, and that they can have it with themselves if they're shut-ins and things like that, and they don't have anybody coming to them. Then they could uh, just have communion as it's done, and I think that's legitimate. I think those are exceptions. Normally, we want to have communion okay. and go to church. So, as, as you know, my wife uh, has a lot of problems. She's not been to church for months because of these problems. But we're going to try and go this coming Sunday. She's been feeling a little bit better. It'll be the communion. And one of the reasons I want her to go is to have communion. Now, if she can't mm -hmm. make it, what I'll probably do is have a service here by myself with her, and we'll have communion. Now, is that a church? No, it's not a church per se, but I'm certainly qualified to do that kind of stuff, and the communion would be legitimate. So when we talk about this kind of stuff, is it a legitimate church? Mostly no, but sometimes yes. And so it's difficult to just to deal with this. It's difficult to deal with... with uh, all of this, this I get stuff going there. I hope that's better online. I already already had those things set. Some audio stuff. So, uh, uh, depending on the circumstances, I, I would I would say I'd have to look at circumstances to say if it's if it's an actual church or not. What if you have a, an actual mm -hmm. pastor who stays retired and he does this from his home because he really can't travel anymore and he does this uh -huh. to minister to people uh, and he's been ordained and in good standing and he helps people is that a legitimate church I, I would think it's it would suffice and, and it would be sufficient that's what I would think so it's a tough one it's a tough question okay okay yeah okay all right um, so, huh. okay yeah it just it's it's kind of new territory you know um, yeah. I I guess I don't understand what holds this person accountable. 
That's a that's an issue. It, yeah. Yeah. Well, elders I, should be should be in, in the case in in a situation like that. Uh, he would uh, have to have elders if it's to be a church. Now, some uh-huh. people have asked me to preach, just get up and online and just preach a sermon on Sundays. And, you know, I could yeah. do that, and people could listen, and I wouldn't call it a church. I would just say, I just preached a sermon, and people are, are listening. Mm-hmm. Now, if in that situation, let's say hypothetically we're doing that, and after six months we had 100 people who were just watched regularly. Let's just say that's the case. And they can't get out. Maybe they're a hundred miles away from a decent church. Uh, everything around them is just liberal idiocy. Or maybe they, you know, they've been injured and they can't get out. Whatever reasons. Then, if they were to ask for communion, what would we? What would I do in that situation? Because of a situation where people are realistically prohibited from attending a normal church function then I think it would be admissible to do that kind of thing online and then administer communion online and say, you need to do this, you know, uh, get your wine, get your bread. We just do it together. We pray over this and we do this together. And I think that would be acceptable. Okay. Okay. And so if this person was ordained as a Pentecostal pastor like 20 years ago, but then he saw the light, so to speak, and left the whole Pentecostal thing and found true biblical theology and now is Reformed and is doing a Reformed online church, it could be legitimate. Now we get into some other issues. Okay. If if an atheist pastor, and they're out there, they just don't let themselves be known, but they're out there, offers communion, is the communion legitimate? Yes, because it's not dependent upon the individual. So, if... And then we get to the issue of a, a baptism, for example. Is a baptism of so-and-so legitimate if it was in a, let's just say, a Pentecostal church that believed in the Trinity, but they were just... They were in a lot of errors in some other areas. But they tr- baptized, and they were the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ is God in flesh, and they believed in grace through faith. Would that, that baptism be legitimate? I'd say yes. If the person then moved away from that into Reformed theology, I, there's no, I don't see any need to get rebaptized. If, however, he had gotten baptized in the Oneness Pentecostal cult, or the Mormon Church, or the Jehovah's Witness Church, then he would have to get baptized because those are not legitimate baptisms. So there's a lot of factors okay. in here, and it's hard to, mm-hmm. over the radio, just say, oh, all here's here's a universal situation, you know? It's not that easy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Well, God bless. Okay. You guys take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Oops. I'm sorry about that. Okay. You too. All right. Well, that was Carrie. Now let's get to, let's see, it'll be Scott from Spokane. Scott, welcome. You're on the air. Thank you, Matt. How are you doing today? doing all right and i uh, just found out that my cat is in the office with me with the closed door don't know how he got in and he got up on my desk <laughs> so i have to hold him while i'm talking to you so other than that i love that cat i don't like yeah, that either but i love him he's, he's awesome oh yeah he's that's right you've been here he's huge isn't he <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah he's big he's uh incredible but yeah, uh so yeah i have a couple of questions for you just both of them it's funny, I've been reading First Timothy this morning, and mm-hmm. I have written down like 10 questions, but uh, I'll just yeah. pick a few. 
Um, okay. So first one would be First Timothy um, four ten. Okay. And um, I just want to know uh, how are unbelievers quote saved um, in this? Okay. What is it saying? So it says he's a savior of all men. So I, when people bring that up, and I'll, I'll ask him, I'll say, is he the savior of those who are judged to, to damnation? And the answer, of course, is, well, in one sense, yes, in another sense, no. He's the Savior because he's the Savior. He's the only Savior of all people, not just the Jews, but he's the Savior also of of uh, the Gentiles, not just the Je- Jews, but the Egyptians and the Syrians and the Americans and the Spanish, etc. So that's what's going on. We're talking about uh, all men, not just the Jews. So that's what I do. I ask well, him, is he the I... savior of, the, of those in hell? Well, no, he's not. He didn't save them. Okay. I, that's what I, you know, I, I immediately think that. But but it, when it says especially believers, um, you know, obviously that's that's the first thought anyone mm-hmm. would have, that the right. believers are saved in that sense. But um, it seems like because he said believers, that that's more of a distinction between believers and non-believers versus Jew-Gentile. So that's why yeah. I had the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, right. uh, yep. So but, yeah. especially of the believers, especially of those who believe, you know, that's where it is. He's generically the savior of all people, but specifically of those who trust in him. Yeah. Okay. And the next all one right. would be First Timothy 2.15. Yes. First Timothy 2.15. Um, yep. Consider, yeah, be prepared, etc. Handling accurately the word of truth. We've got a break, so hold on, buddy. Okay. We'll be right back after the break. Okay. All right, man. God bless. Hold on. Hey, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. Please stay tuned. It's Matt Slick Live. Taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Let's get back on with Scott. All right, I got rid of the cat. <laughs> I put him out during the break. All right, so Second uh, Timothy two fifteen, right? Yeah, just wondering what he's saying by women are saved in childbearing. I'm sure oh. you get this question. From First Timothy two fifteen. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a uh, looks like there's a pun going on uh, because in the cult culture, in the context, there was. Um, birth was dangerous and still is but uh, women more frequently died in, in birth and children died so one of the pagan gods that the Greeks had was um, I forgot her name oh, Diana I think it was Diana yes and another version of the the same deity was Soteria and something like that a play on the word and this is and so Soterios is salvation in um yeah. In Greek, so you'll be saved in childbearing or through it. In other words, don't look to Diana or Soteria. Look through. Look to Christ, and it looks like this is what's going on in, in there. It's a pun in the Greek. Okay, okay interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I have two or one more if you want, but I I could let some room for some other people. Sure. One more, really fast. What do you got, buddy? All right. Um, so First Timothy four sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, what what is he? It says that you'll be saving those who hear you and yourself by basically by preaching and teaching good 
things. More, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's just, just it's, a general. I mean, I think I get it, but yeah, it's just a general thing. But you'll be saving people by preaching the gospel. We don't actually do the saving, but it's just a generic thing that it'll lead to their salvation. Okay, I figured that. Just had a just had a double check there. But yeah, that's it. I think so. Uh, I appreciate your time. Thank you. All right, man. God bless, buddy. All right. Hey, oh, sure, that was Scott. He came over here, and we did some stuff uh, down in uh, in Salt Lake City. We did an outreach of the Mormons out there during their, uh, what was it? Anyway, we did some stuff. Let's get to Anonymous 6-6. Welcome. You're on the air. <laughs> Hello, brother. I knew I liked you, but I can't get to my phone to turn the volume up because I stopped a minute to take a picture of you holding your cat up. Yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, I, I, I love that. It's beautiful. If you would, um, I have a question. I don't know how to mm-hmm. put it out or question or comment. I've noticed, well, I've put, it said in the latter days, you will pour out a spirit. I have had more dreams, more uh, quote unquote coincidences. I mean, increasing and in 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 even a, uh, a, a deeper level. And it's almost, I don't know, it's almost too much. It's happening so fast. And it's not my imagination. I know it's not. And how I was getting coincidences before here and there, it's like the whole day long. I can feel him like a personal, like he's personally with me. And I guess, I don't know if it's a question or comment, as to where it almost is too much. Like the song Overwhelming by... Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Big well, Daddy Weave. Well, it's probably that he's prepping I mean, you for something. If it's from the Spirit, then it, then uh, he's pre- probably prepping you for a little something to come. It's like I've had, I've, well, testimony, which I won't share on it, but uh, that I'm even alive, probably. I mean, many, many motorcycle, many, many car accidents and, uh, well, overdoses. I mean, there's just no way that I'm still here technically (laughs) this realm so i'm just you know i'm thinking i keep feeling like i've because i've already shared with other people you know deliverance and and healing and on and on that he's done he's blessed me with so his mercy that and so i'm feeling like it's, it's to be you know that's my like how do you know what your calling is i feel like that's my that all of that romans 8 20 was meant to help other people. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, so, maybe answer generally, well, no, I'll just comment about it, but generally when people uh, have stuff like that happen, generally, it's right. either because something really bad's going to happen or something really good's going to happen. Like he's prepping you for um, a trial, you know, and, and then you're, you're prepped for it. Or it could be that he's just loving on you and nothing, nothing big, and he's just loving on you. Or the other one is he's prepping you for, uh, t- you know, something good, a door open to be used and to, and to uh, you know, bring glory to him. There's, there's just possibilities. Like but that. usually right. it's, there's something coming, usually. That's what I've seen, but sometimes not, okay? And I kept keep getting the unction that's like something with and this is before the, uh, you know, October 7th, uh, that uh, I feel like a strong unction. I've told a couple of people that something with two years, I don't know if it's been in on that. 
Anyway, I just, <laughs> wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. wait. I, I, I two years. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. October seventh. Two okay. years. What was that about? I I don't know that something major is happening. I was well. The doctors diagnosed me with. Uh, when well, you say major, do you mean cancer? And then in my right lung. And I wonder, wow. but I, I don't know if it's with me, if it's with somebody else, or with me, or just in general. But something about two years. I keep getting the reason I ask, on that. I don't, you know. The reason I ask is I've mm-hmm. had the same. Um, I've had the same feeling. In two years, something's coming. Oh wow! Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I, I just, yeah. But I don't know what it is. I have a feeling that it has to do with our country yeah. with some major stuff happening. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised the way the Democrats are destroying our country with the liberal woke crap opening the border. Who knows? You mean the Democrats? I'm sorry, what? I mean, a Barney, you know, I said, oh, you mean the demoniacs? I said about Democrats. Yeah, Democrats. Yeah, and the Republicans are much better, but the Democrats are, I'm just amazed that they're, they're evil, the evil that they I, promote. But at any rate. choose to blindly to not research, to blindly refuse to not see or even research that well, there's... Yeah, it, there, it's I, just... I, I it's mean, a, my neighbors, it's I'm a, like, I don't understand. It's a cult, I'm sorry? It's a cult mentality in the Democratic Party and, and the Democrats who follow Strong the brain, brainwashed people. But at any rate, so that, uh, that's why I was asked about the two years thing, because uh, I, I've not said anything to really anybody except my wife, and uh, like something's coming. And, but you know what does that mean? You know, it's just yeah, like it's well, of course it's the borders. A, mm. But but I'm saying that because the borders are open because of how bad everything is going. You know, it could be just bad pizza. Yeah. So who knows? But if other people are having a similar <laughs> unction, I'd to to know about it. Okay. Oh wow! All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, well by the way, for... he is a go- he is a gorgeous cat, and he looks like yes. you. <laughs> Yeah, he was given to right. us. Uh, one of our daughters did a lot of mod- modeling. She's very pretty, and um, she got all, all her. Actually, one guy said she got all her looks from me. And I'm like, what? Oh, he okay. said, "Cause you've got." He said, "Cause you've got none left." And I laughed. I thought that was great. But oh. um, so oh. someone, someone gave. That's funny. It was funny. So someone uh, gave her that cat. She had another cat. And he didn't get along, so we inherited him. And he's a Russian Maine Coon purebred. And uh, he's twenty pounds. I had a, I had a um, a Norwegian forest cat. Eighteen years passed away. Now I've got an all white cat with one blue eye and one yellow cool. eye, and I'm holding like up that. to the other people. So, okay. um, hey, well, there's I the music. A couple weeks ago, we were kidding around about we, being sixty six. Yeah, well, that's that's where I'm at. All right, we got a we got a break coming up. So God bless. Right. Thanks for calling. Okay, we'll talk to you later. Hey, folks, be right back after these messages. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. And if you want to email me, you can. Just email me at info at karm.org, info at karm.org, and just put uh, radio question, radio comment, or something like that um, in the subject line. Okay, let's get to Shabu. Welcome. You see nothing. Oh, on here. Yeah. Okay, so what hey, do you got, I have buddy? A 
You should know what it means to preach a sermon in historical redemptive Christocentric soteriological system as you exegetically look through the scriptures. What that means is everything's about Christ and ultimately every sermon must be Christ-centered ultimately. We're not to preach a sermon about just being good for the sake of being good because that makes God happy. That's moralism and a good preacher would know the difference between moralism and Christ-centered preaching. Things like that. No women pastors, no so women what? elders. Okay. So, um, what is the, what about the remuneration? What is uh, a salary? How do you uh, if the cost oh. of living is high? Well, that's a that's a bother right there. If you're asking about that. Okay. If that's what you're interested uh, in, then I wouldn't do so, it. So, so you have to have what's called the internal call, and then there needs to be the external call. You have to be. God's got to call you to this. You got to feel it. It's just something on your heart and your mind. And if you're thinking, "Oh, I start a church, I can I can get a salary," well, then you have no business being a pastor. Okay. So, uh, uh, what about the baptism? Uh, what baptism should be a, a priority. Baptism. So we are saved wait, by wait, grace alone. Well, wait, wait, wait. You said, should baptism be a priority? I don't know what you mean, a priority. What does that mean? Yeah, most of the church uh, priority of baptism, uh, in, immersed baptism, should be part of, we need a swimming pool or something. So they give more importance to baptism. Faith and baptism. I don't understand what you're asking. So should we... Uh, in more importance to faith and baptism or just to faith alone you don't know See, this tells me this is basic stuff and you should know this kind of stuff anyone who wants to be a pastor uh, God would be preparing them to understand things like this okay you should know what the scriptures teach that's why I say you need to know your theology a lot of pastors don't know their theology. They only know um, skin-deep uh, theology. They don't know very much. I mean, a lot of them do, but uh, a lot of them don't. Okay. So you got to learn. So all right. So how do I how do I reach unbelievers to that church? Should how do you reach unbelievers? The job mm-hmm. of the pastor in the church is not to reach unbelievers. The job is to equip the Christians for the work of ministry, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. This is why you need to know your theology, and you don't. Okay, The pastor's job is not to reach the lost. The pastor's job is to equip the Christians for the work of ministry. They're the ones who go out and reach people. Now, that doesn't, that's not to say that the pastor can't preach a sermon to the lost and doesn't seek the lost to preach to them but his primary job is to equip the Christian body that's what Ephesians 4 says okay 
So, I'm going to say, go and preach the gospel all over the world and make them disciples and uh, baptize them in the name of Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, Matthew chapter 28. So, we have to go and preach the gospel outside, right? Yes, we should. We have to do mission. Yeah, that's a generic call to all the disciples and all the followers of Christ. But the pastor's job specifically is to equip the Christians for the work of ministry, till we all attain to the unity of the faith. So as a pastor, you should know things like, and know what these words mean, the trinity, economic trinity, ontological trinity, aseity, non-contingency, necessary preconditions, know about incarnation, hypostatic union, communicatio idiomatum, the difference between justification and imputation and sanctification. The, the Any pastor worth his salt should know those things inside out, backwards, forward, and be able to institute a, an article on demand or a sermon on demand out of the scriptures from memory. You should be able to exegete scripture, be able to teach exegesis, and apply the theology to marriage, and his or her, well, his marriage should be in good standing with God and with the people. Okay? And uh, other so, stuff. The, the salvation is by grace through faith alone, not by faith and baptism, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. So basically saying that the preaching must be Christ-centered. Of course. Jesus says, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life, but it is these that bear witness of me. Okay, that's John 5.39. So the scriptures are about Jesus. So if you're going to preach anything in the scriptures, ultimately it has to be Christ-centered. And the reason in any sermon, the reason we do ABC or believe ABC or repent from ABC is because of the work of Christ on the cross. That's what. That's the reason why. Otherwise, it's moralism. Be good because being good is good. The Mormons teach that. The, the Catholics teach that. This moralism is not Christianity. Okay. Okay. Thank you, sir. Okay. Yeah, you need to study, man. Okay. Um, yeah. All right, all right. Thank you, sir. Okay. All right. If you want to give me a call, eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. We have nobody waiting. November 1st was a special day, or is a special day for me. Back in high school, a friend of mine, Dave, uh, were walking up, riding our bikes up a hill in Orange County, California, Buena Park, over the 91 freeway, heading east. And we're on the left-hand side, walking up against the traffic, you know, like we're supposed to do. This guy in a blue van stops, cuts us off, gets out. Dave was in front of me. And he runs over to Dave, screaming, grabs Dave, and says that we almost killed him. We don't know what he was talking about. It was like 7.15 in the morning. We thought he was crazy. And he says, I'm, he said, I'm going to kill you guys. I'm going to kill you guys. This is all of a sudden just what happened on November 1st, like about the year 1974. And um, so... Uh, the traffic was heavy, and this guy's there, and it's dangerous, and I didn't want him to get me. got on my bike, went down the hill to stop and get traffic, get some help, and I realized I just left my buddy. I hit the brakes and looked back. My friend was had broken free, and the guy was in his van after me. So I got on my... I just 
just pedaled with everything I had, went down to the bottom of this this uh, this overpass and made a, a hard 45-degree tilting angle cut into a trailer park. And this guy in the van, just like in the movies, you know, the rear tires screeching and around the gravel and kicking sand and dirt everywhere. And uh, it was right on my tail. And I jumped off the bike and ran to my left. He slammed on the brakes and got out of the car and started chasing me. And I was, at the time, I weighed about 115 pounds, maybe maybe 105 pounds, because I'd gained some weight by the time I was a senior, six feet tall. I, I was extremely skinny. Now I'm over 200 pounds. Now it'd be a different situation. But then I was weighed up, I probably weighed about 100 to 105, I'm thinking. But at any rate, and uh, so all I could do was run, and this guy was uh, yelling, he's going to get me. And um, ran across uh, into the boulevard, uh, Orange Thorpe Boulevard, and um, just bolted right into the traffic and dodged through the traffic. Hopefully, uh, you know, I was going to go across the street to a building where I saw some cars at 7.15 in the morning. Hopefully, people were there and they could rescue me. And this guy was right behind me. What I would do is dodge left and right because I was lighter than he was. I could gain distance by just bolting my direction differently. And he, he took him longer to change direction. And so I continued this for about three minutes, and exhaustion was kicking in. This is all true, and I'm making this up. And then, because someone asked me to tell the story, and uh, so I got in the other side of the building, and there was, I don't know, 20 cars. I don't know who, what, when, where, but there were just a bunch of cars. There's nobody out there. And I'm running, and this guy's on my tail, and I put a car between us. I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me, and he wants me. I look past him, and I see my friend, and he's with somebody. But when I get back, I'll tell you what happened. Be right back after these messages. Please stay tuned. Be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, mate. Welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. I'm so tempted to not continue with the story and just take calls. <laughs> See if anybody goes, what happened? But I'll tell you what happened. So I still remember it. You know, I'm almost 67, and this happened probably 50 years ago. And... um I remember that morning, and uh, this guy he had sandy blondish hair, and he uh, he was obviously either demented. I don't know what his problem was on drugs. I, I don't know. And he was out to get me. And so uh, what I did was I kept the uh, the car between us. It was the only way I could uh, catch my breath. This guy was bigger, stronger, faster, and. I just kept doing that, and I see my friend over there, and he's with someone, and this someone is in a uh, a chef's outfit, you know, and turns out later it found out because the chef had a knife, and my friend Dave was talking to him, but the guy didn't speak English, and so he misunderstood the situation and thought that the guy and I, or or it was me, trying to get Dave, so he had a knife. So and I was trying to get over to where they were for protection. It's a good thing I didn't get over there because who knows what would have happened. 
So I tried to get over there, and he kept bl- blocking me. And he would make, uh, he'd bolt around the car, and and I was getting worn out. And I, I knew I was going to drop pretty soon just from exhaustion. So he made a move and uh, forced me to go in a certain direction, to uh, get out into the open. And uh, so I just bolted, and I saw a door. And it was just, this door was just open. And there were some cars next to it. I don't know what it was. And so I just made a beeline for this door. Hopefully people would be in there. It made sense that people would be in there. And I just, I ran in there. I, in my whole life, I've never had my eyes adjust so fast to darkness. Because it was in the bright daylight, and this, it was just dark. Went in there, by, and I just ran, and it was a bar. They served alcohol. And I just bolted in. And there's like three people in the bar plus a bartender. This is a 7.50 in the morning. Yeah, I know. And um, I realized there was no exit. And I ran to the far wall next to a cigarette machine, just puffing and puffing, heart pounding, sweat coming down, fear, adrenaline. And then the silhouette of this guy at the door, he stopped and he knew he got me. He knew I couldn't get out. And he starts walking towards me because he saw me. And there was this big man sitting at the bar about uh, seven feet from me. And I said, I don't know. This guy's trying to kill me. I didn't do anything. He's trying to kill me. He's trying to hurt me. And right when the guy got to me, right before he did, this big man stood up and stood in front of him and said, not here. Get out of here. You know, Leave him alone. And this guy tried to look around him and this guy was big and uh, you know he knew he couldn't match this guy and the guy just stood his ground and I'm breathing and I'm panicking I mean I'm super small you know I had no chance and uh, the guy points at me he goes you wait I'll get you and he leaves he storms out the guy goes back to sitting at his at the bar and the bartender didn't do anything nobody did anything just went back to drinking and I sat in there for 20 minutes I mean I was terrified this guy outside is he waiting for me in the meantime my friend David called the police and there was cops everywhere the van was gone and my bike was uh, beat up he had damaged it on purpose he'd gone back to it and, and kicked this and broke the wheel and some other stuff so they, the police, thought I'd been kidnapped because they couldn't find me. So there was a, what, an APB, they call it, all points bulletin or whatever, description, the whole bit. And for 20 minutes, they're, you know, they both, didn't take very long for the cops to get there, but I didn't hear them. But uh, I was just terrified, you know, breathing and panicking and everything. I stayed in there for 20 minutes before I dared to get up and go out. And I finally did. I got the nerve to to stick my head out the door and no one said anything inside there I just that's okay and I could see these cops everywhere and I run over to them and my friend Dave goes there he is there he is and so they asked you know what happened I said I ran into that bar over there you know and I was in there and they almost got me and this guy saved me and all this stuff so they took it took us to the police station and they got a report and um and then dave told me what had happened 
that this guy, when he had this guy, says, you threw something off the freeway, the overpass, and hit his car, almost killed him. We didn't do that. But this is what he, he was so angry about, apparently. And it was really interesting because the area, in order to get around and get off the freeway and go around, would take, take a full five minutes. You know, so it didn't make any sense that we're there still, walking our bikes up, and he attacks anyway. So that was the end of that part of the story. And two weeks later, I might as well tell you the whole thing. It's not a big deal. But two weeks later, um, uh, I get home from a trip from a, an appointment, doctor's appointment thing, and, and Dave calls me, and he says, man, they got him, they caught him, they caught him. And I said, no way. He goes, yeah, we got to go to the police station. They got him. They arrested him. I said, oh, good. He says, I found him. I saw him. I identified him. I said, really? You did? Okay, good. So going to the uh, police station, the detectives, they said, look, it's one of the guys who goes to high school with you. He's a senior. I think I was a sophomore at the time when this happened. Anyway, I said, really? And he says, yeah. He says, and he's in the annual, your annual. you got to go through it, and you got to just find it. We can't tell you who it is. You've got to identify him. So I went through the annual, looking for everybody that matched his description, sandy blonde hair, etc. And I went through, and I looked, and I said, uh, nope, I don't see him. And he goes, look, the detective said, you've got you to you know, do it one more time, because if you misidentify him, you can't identify him, we got to let the guy go. I said, oh, great. So I remember paying attention to every single face. And I looked and I said, he's not here. I don't see him. And he goes, well, there's our case. It just blew our case. And I said, who is it? And he points at this one guy. And this, this guy, I go, that guy? No, it's not him. He's a friend of mine. I, you know, I help him with his homework. Because I was, you know, brainiac in high school in our trig, uh, trig class, whatever it was. And, um. And I said, no, 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 it's not him. I know him. He says, are you protecting him? I said, no, I'm not protecting him. I said, look, it's just not him. I'm just telling you the truth. It said, he, and they said, he's got a blue van, and he matches the description. I said, I could see why my friend Dave would say that was him, but in all honesty, it was not him. And I will testify to that. But if it was him, I would tell you it was, because he terrified us. He threatened to kill us. And I would tell you that's who it is. But it's not him, and I will testify on uh, under oath it was not him because I know him. I know this guy. He wouldn't do that. It wasn't him. He goes okay, and that's the end of the story. We never found him, and that was it. So that's just one of the interesting stories I've got in my life. Man, oh man, oh man! But that really happened November first, about fifty years ago. How about that? All right, let's get on the phone with Rebecca from Salt Lake City, Rebecca. Welcome. You're on the yes. air. Yes. How are you, Mac? That was quite a story. <laughs> yeah, I remember it well. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah my I friend Dave and I often too. talk. We often talk on November 1st. We call each other up. Hey, how's it going? Still alive. Yeah, that's right. Still alive. So anyway. Yeah. So, so what do you got? I've had a lot of scares in my life, too. You know, and I've died off and on several times. It's amazing. Yeah. But uh, oh, yeah. it was like uh, the day I was born... I think, I don't know, I want to call myself special, but um, I was born on Labor Day, and it was in, of course, September, which is the sign of the Virgin and uh, the stone. Well, you you don't believe in astrology, do you? No. And um, uh, my last name is Lucero, which means morning star. 
But anyway, I was also, uh, there were seven children, and I was the only one that was a namesake for my mother and my father, the only one with two middle names. And Do you as have I a, grew... Okay, you have a question, though? Yeah. Well, I'm just, uh, I'm going to ask you, like, is there some people that are, um, I don't know, born lucky or what? Because... It's like every time I go fishing, I'm the only there, one that has Well, to hold on. There's no such thing as luck. Okay. Okay. In Christians, but, uh, but hold on. You're, well, you're saying a lot of things that just keep going. i got to address them. There's no such thing as luck. It's all in the okay, providence well, and the working. I'm finished telling you. Um, I'm the only one that catches a fish. We go to find crystals. I'm the only one to find a crystal. Um... I'm like, if I gamble, the uh, uh, the um, dealers here are astonished of my luck. I've been told that several times. Okay, well, so what's your I question? Keep... What What's your question? Well, I'm just wondering about, are some people just born that way? Just, you know, how everything comes their way so easily? I don't know. Oh, okay. And then my other question was, um, uh, do you ever watch Matt Slick or... Mike Murdoch actually on TV when he asks for money and if you uh, give him a thousand dollars and they'll get rich. Do you ever watch that guy? No, if I on did, him? I would be I would be yelling at the TV if I ever watched. I can't yeah. watch those guys. Thank you very much because I watched him for about five seven minutes and I got disgusted and I thought, what's he preaching? That's blasphemy, don't you think? Yeah, he's a, a charlatan. That would be a charlatan technique. To say, oh, if you give me money, you'll be blessed. I say to people, if they support karm, you may be blessed, you may not be blessed. Who knows? You give because you want to give, not to get anything. Okay. Right. That's what I thought. And he urges people, and there's people answering phones. Anyway. Yeah, and then my it's other a, question was um, how Jesus mm-hmm. forgives and how um, David killed you know, hundreds of people, Christians, etc., etc., and what about Hitler? If he ever uh, decided to become a Christian, would Jesus forgive him? <laughs> the blood of Christ can forgive all of what Hitler did. If he would have truly repented and come to faith in Christ, he would have been forgiven. Uh, okay. okay, that was my other question. And then um, also you and I could talk a lot about uh, the Mormons, okay? When mm-hmm. I first came to Salt Lake City from Colorado, um, I lived in an uh, all-Spanish community, talked Spanish, etc. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved to Salt Lake City, it was total shock, culture shock. I couldn't believe what well, We only you got know, like 30 seconds here, so we'll go ahead. Okay. Oh, okay. Anyway, my mother immediately called him a cult. Uh, do you think that they are? Who? Mormons? The Mormons, yes. Yeah, Mormonism is not a Christian religion. It's uh, I- identity theft. They've taken the true I- God and redefined him, the true Christ and redefined him. So they teach that oh. God's an exalted man from another world. The Trinity is three separate gods. We all had a pre-existence. Uh, we can become gods and goddesses, potentially. It's all uh, this redefinitions and fabrications, and then they claim it's mm-hmm. from the Bible, and it's not. Okay? Okay. So it's, it's a non-Christian right. religion, all right? It's not Christian. Okay, okay, you wouldn't call them a cult then, right? Yeah, they are a non-Christian cult, absolutely. 
Okay. Okay. All right. right. Got to go. There's the music. So, but thank you. Hey, folks, we're out of time. May the Lord bless you and by His grace, we'll be back on here tomorrow. And tonight, in two hours, I'll be on a clubhouse answering questions. We do it once a month. Be right back. I'll talk to you tomorrow. God bless everybody. See you. Bye. Another program powered by the Truth Network.